the season finale happened. It definitely happened, even though after the Las Vegas GP, I don't know why it needed to happen. It just felt like anything we put after that. My answer was gonna be, it happened. Uh, but despite the fact that my general feeling is, okay, great, cool, I guess that was a finale. We still have a bunch to talk about today. Uh, because in a very predictable way, the F1 news cycle doesn't end when the season ends, even though I think everyone just wanted to go on vacation after 23 races that ended up happening this year. Well, actually, 22. 22 races that ended up happening this year. Excuse me. I forgot that one was canceled, and China was canceled before the beginning of the season. It's been a long season. Do you remember when they canceled the Chinese GP before it even started? <laughs> feels like a million years ago. Right, right. But we're not going to get right into season reviews because on today's show, we have an Abu Dhabi race weekend review to start with. So we're going to give you our final race weekend podiums of the season. We're going to reveal the results of our prediction competition, which one of us will end up in an ice bath. And then we're going to discuss all your opinions by going through our post race weekend polls. Also, because of when we recorded the Vegas GP recap, we didn't get to do the Vegas GP race weekend polls. So we're going to clean that up this week and make sure we put a bowl on all of the race weekend stuff. We're also going to say goodbye to Alfa Romeo, who is leaving the Sauber operation. And we leave from a, we're no longer going to have a grid with 10 teams where two of them start with Alpha, which really is going to help my sanity. We might actually have no alphas next year. And yes, I know they were spelled different, but I, this is a verbal podcast. It is confusing. I didn't like to have to say the mouthful of Alpha Tari or Alpha Romeo every time I discussed one of them. First world problems, I understand. Moving on. Uh, the F1 Commission met this week and made some serious decisions for 2024, so we're going to discuss and give our opinion on all of those. And then we're going to discuss some big news on the 2026 engine manufacturer field and how it's laying out. Finally, as always, we end the show with the Yellow Sector Notes, one story from every team on the F1 grid. Before we wrap up the formation lap, I have a quick few quick programming notes on the show. So if you missed it last week, we dropped a review and reaction to the Braun GP docu-series as a bonus episode. So make sure you check that out after you watch the show. I highly recommend you check it out. Next week, we're going to have our regular Thursday show, same as this. We're going to wrap up all the final news that tends to trickle out in the final weeks of the season. Maybe by then we will actually know who's going to be driving in the second Williams seat. Then, after next week, we're going to start on all of our season review episodes. We're going to do three big season review recaps, discussing all the major storylines, how we feel after we take some time to digest the one of the most dominant F1 seasons of all time. I need to emotionally separate for a couple weeks before we can recap anything, such as driver head-to-head -head battles, grading the seasons of all the teams not named Red Bull, because they would obviously get an A, and much, much more about the F1 season. But with that note, that wraps up the Formation Lab for episode 45 of Gridwalk, a weekly Formula One podcast that believes there are fascinating stories to discuss across the entire F1 grid. Please don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, and leave us a comment down below. Who do you think is going to end up in the Williams seat? Who do you think is going to end up in the Red Bull seat? Those are kind of our lingering questions over the offseason now. If you're listening on any audio platform, please hit that follow button, turn on auto-downloads, and leave us a review. All the things, we mention these, and you hear everyone mention them all the time because they really help support the show and push us up through all those algorithms. So thank you very much. Cold down our wind up on the grid. It's lights out, and away we go on this week's Gridlock. Well, 
It's like my that fault. That silence you hear, Adi. It's, this was like my idea. I, I don't. So I feel like this is. I just like <laughs> willed this into existence. This was your idea. Um, well, not the predictions as a whole. Like we both wanted to do predictions all season. We had a reset halfway through the year, so our second half competition, the final score. Um, I scored 13 points, Nicole scored 7, which means, unfortunately, Nicole is going to be the one who ends up... Well, I say unfortunately, but unfortunately for you, you're the one who's going to be in the ice bath. Yeah. Like, I, I'm pretty happy I'm not going to be in... The, I'm trying to be nice. I'm not a big, like, crap talker. Like, I don't... Like, We're really competitive to each other, but we just don't... We don't, you know... I would be like, fortunately, Nicole's yeah. the one taking the ice bath. Yeah, I'm taking an ice bath. Um, I would like to give. I would like to blame Carlos Sainz and Ferrari for the idea of the ice bath. I would also like to blame Ferrari as a whole for me taking the ice bath. Um, yeah, that's 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 fair. That's really yeah. the, the downfall hit, and then I just didn't score any points in Mexico and places and things. It just was bad. I felt it quick. The, I felt the ice bath approaching. And uh, it's not happening right now because you'll have to wait until the kickoff of next season. Next predictions right. for Bahrain so, will in be... In similar fashion. Me in an ice bath. From an ice bath. Yeah. In similar fashion to when Nicole had to pay up for the first round of predictions and she had to do the whole next segment on a bike uh she when we kick off next season and we're predicting the season opener uh, nicole will give hers from an ice bath don't worry she will not be in the ice bath for longer than like three minutes we we don't want any injury here um but something to look forward to for all of us not named nicole Katz for next year in the middle of february there might be snow outside maybe instead of ice i can just like bring in a bunch of snow and like plop it into my bathtub and Oh yep. boy. <laughs> There's Yeah, we haven't even talked about the logistics of this. We thought about it once. We went, but the ice bath was your idea. So I think it's fitting that you'll end up in it. And we want to hear from you all. Uh one, what should our predictions be for next season? We really leaned into things that weren't P1 this year because there was no competition for that. Um and two, what should our prediction bet be next year? Yeah. Because punishment you know, we've had to exercise on camera. <laughs> yeah. No. We've had to exercise on camera and an ice bath will happen. So I feel like we don't need to level that up, but something on the level of the ice bath seems like a good plan. Yeah. That's like our highest level. We're n surprised. We're not real daredevils here, but we'll take an ice bath. Yeah, so we can keep it at that. Any other record? I'm just enjoying looking at Nicole. I am cold thinking about <laughs> it. It was snowing today, and now we're talking about an ice bath. And again, this is all just... I brought this upon myself. It's fine. It's good. It's good. People do cold plunges all the time. It's going to be, like, great for my nervous system or whatever the heck it does. Endorphins? Right. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> There's a reason people do this. Like, there's people who take cold showers all the time. I don't know why I'm trying to make you feel better. Honestly, I'm really excited that it's not me. So uh, I enjoyed winning the predictions. I enjoyed doing the predictions. I hope you all enjoyed listening to and watching the predictions this season. Because I don't think Nicole did. Blame Ferrari. The Abu Dhabi GP gave off such 
can we go home now vibes. Like it really felt like everyone was hungover from Vegas. We're done with the season. Even Red Bull and Max Verstappen were just like, I won this thing ages ago. Can we all go home now? There weren't like sparkly finale vibes to it. So this is my podium of quotes and things that happened that gave off can we go home now vibes. So I have two honorable mentions. Honorable mention one is Ted Kravitz in his Ted's Notebook segment. He said, goodbye W14 and good riddance. You were an awful car and didn't win any races. I don't think it even deserved P2. Wow, that that's powerful and incredible. And he's right. <laughs> well, I like he's having- so him. on the nose. <laughs> yeah, I, I pulled all the data already for the team review and the Mercedes definitely should not be in V2. It says more about the other teams than Mercedes for sure. But I felt like Ted summed it up. Honorable mention number two, Lewis Hamilton in a post-race interview. I'm not particularly looking forward to anything related to next year at the moment. Just looking forward to tomorrow. And his tomorrow, by the way, Lewis Hamilton did zero postseason testing. So his tomorrow was going home. He was just excited to go home. He wanted vacation. He was ready. He was done. It's like, I don't want to drive this shitbox anymore. Moving on. All right. My actual podium. P3. Toto post-quali. I'm fed up with having to explain why it didn't go well. I'm happy that this was the last qualifying of the season, and we're going to come with a new car next year. I'm fed up hearing <laughs> Toto having to explain. So, same. Yep, yep. P2. Ferrari telling Charles he's not allowed to do donuts. What a buzzkill. Big buzzkill. I... That man did everything in his power to try to get P2 and the constructors. He just wanted to fling the car around and have some fun. And Ferrari said no in a panicky voice. And it made me so sad for him. Everyone on Ferrari just wanted to go home. And it made me sad for Charles. Yeah. It was the... What, what did we get? P3. Ah, F. Burnouts? No. Oh, it's like... <laughs> Charles gets to do nothing fun. No, we... Right. That season that man had, and you didn't even let him do some fun donuts on the grid. Like, let him have fun in the rocket ship. He really sh doesn't like driving. All right. P1, the most can we go home now moment of the weekend actually happened pre-race. And it was Lewis Hamilton saying, I'm definitely excited to get the season over and done with, if I'm really honest. I feel you. <laughs> I feel you, bro. It just, it wrapped the whole thing in a bow. He didn't even, he's like, whatever. Can I go home? He just, he was done. I was done. We're all done. At least the W14 was pretty. And now the W15 is not going to be black and I'm going to be sad, but hopefully it'll be fast. It better be. It better be black at this point. Like, it's the only thing that brought me joy all season. I, take like, it back. At least the car was pretty. We put up polls after the Abu Dhabi GP to get all of your thoughts on what 
transpired this race weekend. Uh, if you don't follow us at Gridwalk Show, they'll go up, you know, Sunday or Monday, depending on the time of the race and your time zone. But within 24 hours, there will be polls and you can give your thoughts. Uh, so poll number one was, are you missing F1 already? The options were, yes, give me a week or ready for this break. Nicole, where are you? Are you already missing F1? I'm ready for this break. Ask me again in like 10 days. Maybe it'll be different. Right now I'm like, okay, I need, I need Toto and Lewis to have a break. So that's why I need a break. <laughs> that's a fair response. I'm at give me a week. But I do think something that biases our opinion on this is the content creation we do and like being on the the cycle of the F1 season where I'm like, no, I'm excited to create some content that's not dictated by the race schedule. Yeah. It's going to be, be fun. fun. Yeah. Um, so you're ready for this break. I'm give me a week. We were both much, very much in the minority where 82% of the people who voted said, yes, they already miss F1. Oh, so that's, that's a good thing. Good for us. Yeah. Right. We're we're putting out a grid week episode <laughs> grid week. We're putting out a grid walk episode every Thursday, even through winter break. So if you miss F1, we're gonna be talking about it every week still. All right. Question number two. Would you rather have P2, which I equated to good vibes going into the off season, and I think it was reported about 10 million more dollars. Or would you ever rather have P3, it, the constructors, which gives you more uh, wind tunnel time? Hmm. Probably more wind tunnel time, to be honest now. Because I feel like once you're getting up there, everyone just has like the same amount of money to be working with. And it's like when you have the big teams, you're just talking about whatever. Like they're going to spend budget cap. Like that's going to be what it is. So in that point, I feel like you're getting more advantage with more wind tunnel time. Yeah, yeah. 33% of the people agreed with you. 67% said they'd rather have the good vibes and the more money. I feel like I waver on this every day on how I feel, where sometimes I'm like, yeah, more wind tunnel time is not a bad thing. And then I'm like, well, Red Bull managed to be this dominant with so much less wind tunnel time because of their punishment. And yes, there are air quotes to the odd audio listeners from the cost cap breakage so like how much is like how much if you know what you're doing does wind tunnel time really matter mm. and like the money gets paid out to bonuses to people often so i don't know but i i have to say that post race weekend i'm enjoying the good vibes that p2 means for mercedes like that car yeah. shouldn't be p2 and like i'm enjoying the good vibes yeah i definitely don't want I would always prefer, you know, Mercedes to have finished higher up, but yeah. Right. I'm excited for it to be yeah. done. I think if they were P3, I would be doing a lot of copium right now where I'd be like, well, it's okay. They got the more wind tunnel time and they're going to be competitive next season. And like, I'd be doing a lot of that versus like, instead I'm just like, ah, okay, cool. Car was slow. We're P2 though. So like, do, 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 do. Lewis Hamilton ended up having like, Lewis Hamilton was in P3. Like, this is great. Like, you know, like, I, yeah. Uh, Alvatari brought a new floor upgrade this week to the last race of the season. So there were three options in response to this. One, it will help them start 2024 strong. 
Two, this will have no effect on 2024. Three, why in the world did it take them so long to bring this upgrade? So my initial response would be, why did it take so long? But I'm going to go the optimistic route and <laughs> say, prepping for 2024. So that was clearly the intention is they brought an upgrade to test out, to see, like, test something for next year. 20% uh, of the people said that, 10% said this is going to have no effect on next year, and 70%, which I'm included in, is why did it take them so long to bring an upgrade? Like, this is silly. This is a car that really hadn't been upgraded all that much in the last, like, four races of the season. They were like, here's all the stuff. And we're like, like here it is. We'll see if it's a little too late. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yuki desperately trying to steal P7 away from Williams at the end there, like, doing his best. If they had like, one more race with the floor, like, they probably would have. Yeah, it would have so, made a big difference then. Just felt, yeah, felt like there was just a little bit more juggling with their drivers than instead of upgrades. Yeah. I think Alphatari is going to be a big thing we talk about all off-season, because not only are they rebranding, but they're now going to start buying as many parts as possible from Red Bull. So their relationship to Red Bull is going to look more like Haas's relationship to Ferrari. They're going to go back to being much more Red Bull branded instead of they've dropped the charade of pretending it's not a junior team, which thank God, I hate when people lie to us. Like that's just, it's exhausting. Right. Um, but they're, so there, there's a lot of, change happening there and i do believe the new floor was a big part of that they might go back to looking like a serviceable team next year all right here's a biggie will logan Sargent be in the williams in 2024 yes or no i'm at no i don't think he's returning I think it is such a coin flip right now, and the poll says that as well, where 54% yeah. said yes and 46% said no, like such, like right down the middle, such a coin flip. I, I, yeah, I, there's, I don't even think Williams knows right now. That's kind of where I'm landing on it. Like if Williams knew, we would know at this point. That, they wouldn't yeah. want to like go into the winter at being this ambiguous. Right, because part of my brain thinks that, oh. like, because he's not returning and that's why they haven't announced it yet and they just don't have his replacement yet. But I just think they really don't know because I don't. I, I feel like there is almost no harm of saying he's not returning and you just know that it will be somebody else. And right now it's just a big question mark. So if they knew he wasn't returning, that would have yeah. just been evidently clear. I do feel like this is when I now need to point out that it is currently Tuesday, November 28th. If an announcement comes before you all listen to this on Thursday, November 30th, then this is going to be a funny segment. But yeah, I think as soon as Abu Dhabi ended, there's now no harm in saying anything, right? Like the race is over. So if, to your point, if he was not going to be the driver, He's no longer has to like then be in the car as like a lame mm -hmm. duck driver. So I, I think we're, we haven't, I think we haven't got an announcement because there's something holding it up either way. Um, and I think he has no leverage. So they know that he can just, they can hold out and they're clearly waiting to see if they're going to get someone else. And then if not, they know they can fall back on Logan. Right. If he does end up with the seat 
and no shenanigans happen over at Red Bull, which I still highly doubt, um, this will be the first time in F1 history that the driver lineup in the final race of the season will be the exact same as the driver lineup at the first race of the next season. It's not going to, there's no way. That in itself makes me believe it's not going to happen. Yep. Never, has never happened before in the history of Formula One. Mm-mm. So, uh, right, right. I, if it's not Williams, it's going to be Red Bull. Something, something's going to happen. Someone's going to play of Red Bull. Chairs. We'll, yep. Will Checo be in the Red Bull in 2024? Yes, no. I don't know, but he better not be because I want a competitive season next year. Is option three. I like the last one. It's interesting. Yeah, I just too. would it wouldn't it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me logistically of the difference between Max and Checo throughout the entire year and you know he was able to pull out a little bit of a showmanship and like sparkles in like the last couple of weeks just to be like look I'm here but even still with this car it should have been like a Red Bull P1 P2 the entire season. And they should have which crazy to right. say they should have even been like more dominant than they were but they should have been. Checo, penalty or not, should not be desperately on the last lap trying to catch up with the Ferrari. When, like, Max is eight seconds down the road coasting when we know he's not pushing because he doesn't have to. And they don't want to make the gap look as big as they it, it actually is. So, I the reality is Red Bull doesn't want it to be competitive because they like that Max can easily coast to a championship and there's no dynamics within the team and it doesn't matter because no one's close enough to compete with them anyway with how dominant max has been but for my enjoyment for my personal sanity please put a competitive driver in that car even can we go back to the days of like alex albon like floundering in the car because at least we knew that there was some potential there right like i don't and let me be very clear i do not want poor alex albon back in the red bull system he is very happy and i want him to remain very happy but Something like that. There's at least, even if they're not being competitive with Max, there's at least some intrigue. There's some potential. I can trick myself into thinking it might be competitive. It's done. I can't even pretend next season that Checo has a chance. It w- And it's going to be so boring if they don't replace someone in that seat who's not named Daniel Ricardo. Because we also, well, then we're going to the season with the same thing. But moving on. Worse. Sorry. Almost someone that's willing to yeah. just let Max win. Right, right. Oh, um, but I didn't actually give the results of the poll. 62% of Gridwalk listeners said, yes, that Checo will be in the Red Bull in 2024. I still don't fully believe it. No. But I thought we were going to get an announcement after. But And then I I forgot that Vegas was still going to have a huge Checo fan base. So I don't know. I don't know. I guess I, I'm holding out hope that Formula One has enough sway that they're going to make Red Bull put a competitive driver in that Maybe one, preferably, that is a wrecking ball in an interesting way and not in a frustrating way. Um, All right. Heading into the off-season, what back-of-the-grid team do you think has the best vibes? The options were AlphaTari, Alfa Romeo, which we will now call Sauber, Williams, or Haas. Who do you think is going in with the best vibes into the off-season? Williams, because... Alex Albon. That's it. End of sentence. I think they had a lot of moments that like he was able to pull out with that car to give them points that they necessarily did not expect. 
It's got to be Williams, I think. Well, 42% of the people who responded agreed with you. And that is tied with the 42% who are on my team, which is AlphaTari, I think has the best vibes. Williams actually hasn't scored points in a really long time. And all of those big things really happened before or right after summer break. Oh my gosh. And so it's been a long time and a lot of races. And I think AlphaTari bringing these upgrades and being competitive for the last couple of races of the season, starting with Daniel Ricciardo in Mexico and then Yuki having a really great last two races. I don't know. I feel like they have really positive vibes. But you could say either because AlphaTari didn't end up getting poaching Williams for seventh. And that's a big deal for Williams to get seventh. Uh, 17% said Alfa Romeo. Yep. 17% said Alfa Romeo. And I'm inferring that's just because of the, you know, continued increased Audi investment and 0% voted Haas. They got a big fat zero. No one thinks Haas has positive vibes. Yeah. What do you, what team do you believe will be the most competitive with the top three next season? McLaren, Aston Martin, or Alpine? McLaren. That's at least where we're leaving off right now. I want to, I wish I could say Alpine, but. Well, I think everyone wishes they could say Alpine, but no one did say Alpine, considering they got a big fed 0% of people in this group that they will be the most competitive with the top three. Uh, 67% agree with you that it will be McLaren and 33% say Aston Martin. I really think it's a coin flip. Um, I Yes, McLaren has had more pace later in the season, but I think Aston Martin has really shown that they can have a very successful offseason. And if they have figured out what's wrong with their car and can fix it for next year, I will no longer be shocked if Aston Martin is good. That is what I've decided going into next season. No they shock allowed. I will to fully be good all it. season, though. <laughs> right. They have, they have not proven they can develop a car, but they now it is very heavily reported that they, are, they were the ones who really got pinned back with the technical directive that came. They're the only team that's been pinned back with a technical directive, really, since the start of this regulation set. We'll see what happens after they have a full new car cycle. But yeah, I'm with you. McLaren has the best vibes, so I think they're the easy bet going into next year. All right. And finally, who do you think... Wait, I say finally, but there's one more after this. Most likely to compete with Red Bull next year. Mercedes, Ferrari, other. Mercedes. That's it. End sentence. Says nothing else. That's it. Done. No. <laughs> yeah, Mercedes got the least amount of vo- votes. Of course 17%. But um, Ferrari got 50% and 33% went to other. Someone thinks that a team that's not those two teams. I firmly believe it will not be another. I understand how people are feeling about McLaren, but the reality is they're not a works team. And... I would be stunned if they are actually able to catch up to Red Bull. I think if, if someone is going to catch Red Bull, it's going to be Ferrari Mercedes, in my opinion. And until a non-works team proves that they can do that in modern F1, I will not put my chips in that corner. As frustrating as the last two seasons has been, I do still believe in the championship operation that is the Mercedes team. Um, I think that they 
their inability to get their power unit to catch up to the Honda power unit because of the engine freeze has really been a detriment to the car as a whole. Um, and that's not going to be fixed this off season. But every single time Toto says they're showing up with a completely new car next year, I'm happy. And they have somehow managed to get P2 this year, despite running Frankenstein's monster as their car all season. So, like, and then Ferrari still doesn't have a technical director. So I'm a little, um... It's big question Ferrari is definitely in a prove it. (laughs) Yeah, Ferrari hasn't been good since Michael Schumacher. Mercedes has been good with the unit that is currently running the team. This is going to be, like, Mercedes has the old new technical director back. They're not going to be running a Frankenstein car. If I'm going to put, like I said, if I'm going to put chips on a work, I'm only going to put chips on a works team. I'm going to still believe that Mercedes is the one who can do it. Not that they're going to do it. I'm not predicting they're going to, but. So those are the more words behind your panicked Mercedes response. Yes. (laughs) All right. And last poll. Are you going to miss the Alfa Romeo branding next year? Yes. Until Audi arrives or no. Those were three options. Sorry, I didn't. <laughs> eh, not really. I'll, I'm going to miss their Vegas livery, which got to be carried over into Abu Dhabi. <laughs> well, 42% said in until Audi arrives, they'll miss it. A 33% say yes and 25% say nah. So it was pretty even across the board. I have not been told a single thing about Nicole's podium. She won't even tell me what her podium is. So I'm very excited. So my race weekend podium has absolutely nothing to do with the race weekend because my podium is my favorite months from the boat ass calendar. <laughs> and if oh you my were- gosh, it arrived. If you were not watching on YouTube, I have cut out little peach emojis to put over Valtteri Botas's butt <laughs> to make this friendly for families. I guess I don't know. Monetary friendly for YouTube. Money on this, like, yeah, we don't need this to be censored. So I did put little peaches on all of the pictures that I plan to share. So there's no actual butts. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad it arrived. It arrived so quickly. I was shocked. A package arrived. It was all in like Dutch. And my parents were like, what is this? I said, something. And I walked away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to open this in front of my parents. (laughs) So. They're going to be like, Nicole, why did you order showed it to my mom and she thought it was absolutely hysterical and she also says he has a nice butt so how could you not think it's hysterical it's the best best product of the year okay i have an honorable mention <laughs> of course i have to do this so carefully because i don't want to like accidentally show a butt so my honorable mention is the month of june not because it's my birthday, but it's Valtteri on a bike. 
And this is a time where Brad and I did not get to share a story about our trip to Austin last year, where we're just casually walking around Austin, trying to cross the street, and the two of us almost get hit by two people on bikes. We cross the street, and Brian's like, that was VB that almost hit us on bikes. I had no idea. Completely missed. VB and Tip, there they go. Oh, So my honorable mention, naked VB on a bike. And I want to be very clear that they were definitely uh, listening to the rules of the road, and I don't think that we were ever at risk of getting hit in the crosswalk, but it, there was a moment of panic as they, they broke, like, very late. He's a late breaker on the bike, too. And I would have been honored to get <laughs> hit by VB on a bike. So that's my honorable mention, just for that story. That looks like... I just <laughs> can't get over the fact that he's naked on a bike, because that seems really uncomfortable. Oh, wow. Just you wait. My peak okay. is January because oh, my birthday, your birthday, and he's just hugging a giant bear, a giant big bear, and <laughs> full on hugging it. And there are tan lines of his like racing of like his bike singlet that you could just see like around his back. So shout out to January. Happy birthday, Brianna. You get some bear action of his bear butt and a bear. <laughs> P2. <laughs> I can't breathe. It's October. <laughs> we are nakedly carving pumpkins. He is, VB is sitting at a kitchen table. You would think he's, like, surprised, like someone caught him in the act of nakedly carving a jack-o'-lantern. Unbelievable. This was almost my favorite. This is, this is, I don't know, I'm shocked that it's not. Don't I'm, worry, oh my, my P1 will make oh so God. much sense. This is my favorite thing. Oh my gosh. So... After Austin, I was incredibly disappointed because there was no horsey McHorse. But don't worry, in July, VB was on, not an actual horse, but a little kid, horse head on a stick, in the middle of the wilderness, fully naked. (laughs) So shout out to July. And uh, VB on what I've dubbed horsey McHorse stick. (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) if this man ever leaves the grid i will be devastated because this type of like energy is just so crucial to be on the formula one grid like we would miss him so much i love post mercedes vb He's living his best life. I can't wait to show you the rest of this, you know, not for the the filming of things. If anyone's interested in seeing the other months, can definitely, you know, we can bring this back out. Um, But you'll probably catch this behind me for the next Well, I think you should. (laughs) I was going to say, I think you should hang it up in your background and just flip the months and move the peach. But I just going to have to, yeah, I'm going to have to. But then it's also like, uh, will I have to remember to put the peach up? I feel like I should have it removed in my daily life. But then if there's, you know, we're going to get in trouble. 
if we leave this up behind me, but you know, it's a fun <laughs> little game. So thanks, VB. This is a great idea. Can't wait for next year's. I feel like we should be playing that like Green Day song that we all used in middle school. It's like the like final day of school song, and it's like this is the I best. I even think of, of the lyrics, right? yes. <laughs> yes, that's exactly like that's the soundtrack in my head to like goodbye, Alfa Romeo. It's been fun having you back in the sport, and you know your sponsorship deal was fun, <laughs> kind of. Like, it just feels on. like. <laughs> We remember. Yes. Hags. <laughs> Thank you. For- <laughs> yeah. Um. So I guess to start this out, Alfa Romeo was just a sponsor, but they did have a history in F1, not as a sponsor. So they are a very historic F1 name. And by historic, I mean like before our parents were born historic <laughs> kind of deal. Um, very beginning of the sport. So a lot of people are very sad to see them go as a title sponsor. When Audi was looking at getting into the sport and Sauber was looking at selling off their operation, like Alfa Romeo didn't want to do that. They liked having the sponsorship. They liked the team being called their car brand name, but they didn't actually want to build F1 cars. Um, So at some point we knew they were going to go. As soon as Audi was announced, we knew this phase out was going to happen. So this feels like the longest drawn out, like, two years of, well, we know it's not going to be Alfa Romeo very soon. Uh, But how are you feeling now that it's official and we need to, for a year, call it Sauber? And then for a year, call it Sauber Audi, and then it will be Audi. So this will be a confusing couple of years. But that aside, how are you feeling about Alfa Romeo in particular? It feels like a really long, dragged out, soft launch of a relationship. It's like, oh, it's going. Oh, it's going. To the point that we talked about earlier, yes, I know they're spelled differently, but I'm excited for the not having... We're going to go from, like, two alphas to no alphas, you know? Like, that's really crazy. Um, And it's just always very interesting to see, like, the shifting and moving of sponsorships just, like, says so much about the sport and kind of, like, who you're representing and things. And just overall, like, I know we're going to have... It's just going to see a lot of different branding overall. And having, like, the conversation be about Sauber and then Sauber Audi. And, like, it's just this slow transition to, like, this new team. It seems kind of a little silly, but that's just the way that business goes sometimes. And contracts are set up for reasons. <laughs> and Audi doesn't want to come in before they're necessarily supposed to be coming in. So we kind of have to live with this in-between temporary gap for a bit. Yeah, I I agree with the like this is like it feels like a breakup and a soft launch are happening at the same time. And we're living in the middle of it. I understand why Audi doesn't want to come in right away, because why would they want to take credit for the bad product that's going to be on the track for the next two years until the twenty twenty six car that they're hoping will be competitive. There won't be an Audi engine in that car until twenty twenty six. So mm-hmm. why would they theoretically want it so i get that um losing alfa romeo i think i'm not particularly torn up about it i've never been shy about the fact that i'm not a big car person i'm a big car racing person and so losing a car brand isn't that 
something that I'm going to feel super bad about because this is not like a constructor pulling out. This is a sponsorship leaving. Um, but I am a little frustrated that I'm going to have to explain to all my more casual F1 fans why there's a quote-unquote new team on the grid. And yes, it's going to be really confusing for people. So like, this is always one of the more frustrating, confusing things about F1 is the constant name changing and inconsistency of that. Um, yeah, that was like... The business side of it. I oh, Well, because we didn't get to talk about this last week, but uh, like when I was watching the Braun GP documentary with my dad, he then went so he's not big into f1 so it was a really great like launch of him asking questions of things and he says well what's braun gp doing mm -hmm. now like and this is like after like the first episode and i was like well it's technically like this is like go into the entire like trend of it all so yeah like right. we see name it's changes it gets people <laughs> confused all the time so yeah and that's why you'll hear like long-standing F1 people be like, that's Brackley. And like whatever, you know, because, and people will reference all the time that like the heart and soul of the Mercedes team is still that Braun team that used to be the Honda team. And like, like it is confusing, 100%. It, it's so hard for me to keep it straight. But uh, I like, I like talking about the teams with the names they're called now versus calling them like Enstone or Brackley or like basically mm -hmm. their headquarters because I don't think that's very accessible for like the common fan. Like, okay. If I was just chatting with my mom who is an F1 fan and I was like oh yeah this happened at Enstone she would have no idea that I'm talking about Alpine. Like that's just not a way to talk about things. Um, so but at the same time my mom will have zero recollection of the fact that Alpine is just rebranded Renault from a couple years ago. She struggles to keep that straight but uh I do think that there's some interesting questions about the value of a title sponsorship for an F1 team. It really has caused me to think a lot about like why we call teams what we call them. So like, of course, Red Bull is Red Bull and Ferrari is Ferrari. And even though Mercedes has this giant long name, like I don't think we're ever going to call them Patronus. We're going to call them the Mercedes team. But it's interesting to me that Alfa Romeo this year is the... Um, oh, I can't even remember who. Oh, it, it was the Kicks Alfa Romeo Sauber team. Like, and there was also there's a Ferrari in there because they're also powered by Ferrari. And like for these very convoluted title sponsorships, Alfa Romeo was a title sponsor, and we actually called the team Alfa Romeo. And like Haas is Haas, and it doesn't matter that they put MoneyGram in front of that. But if they dropped the Haas, would we call them MoneyGram? Like. It's, it's just, it's really got my brain thinking about like, okay, if you're going to spend all this money on a title sponsorship, do, how do you even guarantee that the team gets called that? So it just, it was a fa fascinating thing that I wanted to float your way and get your thoughts on. Like, yeah. what is the value of a title sponsorship? Well, the value, the first question is value of a title sponsorship for a team that performs well or a team that doesn't perform well i mean how many times do you see i mean like look at right you know easy call out i mean you could have like a thousand of them but just like for like common fan sake like rich energy not necessarily wanting to remain associated like so many other things but like when you're aiming for a title sponsor you're wanting it to hopefully be aligned with a team that does really well and in an f1 that's a little bit especially when corporations are maybe investing in f1 and they don't have the full entire general understanding and they're just like 
sports racing this could be great and it could be you know a team that's dnfing every single weekend and that's like what you're getting your brand association with or you can get unbelievably really lucky and your name could be on a car that's winning all the time and stuff like that i wonder what the negotiations would be i feel like that would have to be something within contracts of like what would be submitted on like paperwork or like for abbreviations of things that would cause that because you know like when you're seeing alpha places like you'll see alfa and like they someone puts that somewhere and like there has to be identifications i gotta assume that the teams fill out like some type of something for this so there's an official fia submission so somewhere within contract name yeah right but the first name on that official submission for mercedes is the patronus Mercedes AMG Formula One team, I believe is what it is, but we'll never call the team Patronus, right? And they don't want us to. They call it Mercedes. We call it Mercedes. So I, I think it's interesting because, like, it, to your point, it's clearly negotiated. But I really think Alfa Romeo has had this very cushy situation where we've all just been totally fine calling it Alfa Romeo. It's just there. And the reality is it's been sour this whole time. Alfa. I wonder if they've actually been paying for that to the point. I mean, I don't know. It's Yeah. There's been a lot of talk of if Alfa Romeo will sponsor another team on the grid, but I wonder if they would only do it if they have the same type of situation. Where you get the name involved. Yeah. I guess it all just goes back to whatever you're trying to associate it with. But then it's also then part of me thinks then like why wouldn't they you know, have wanted to maybe try to make a deal to stick around at least until like for the 2024 season, like before it's becoming like sauber Audi, like why wouldn't then wanting to continue that like last final year of it all. And there's been a couple of other episodes where we've discussed like Alfa Romeo, not necessarily utilizing their charismatic drivers. And, you know, like when you have drivers that do stuff like this and you're not necessarily creating content, which they (laughs) seem in the later, like, half of the season we're really picking up creating content with joe and vb but the start it didn't really seem like they were taking advantage of like the content that they had and it felt like maybe they were just going for like a cash grab of like their last year of what we could get with kick and steak and this and that and anything kind of like that so maybe they're just done yeah and to that point i never it's always hard to know like what is done by the sponsor, because Alfa Romeo was the sponsor, and what is done by the Sauber team, right? So we're actually going to really see this next year. Is, like, Sauber the team bad at capitalizing and marketing their drivers? Or was it the Alfa Romeo brand? Like, I'm really intrigued because, yeah. Like, you have two drivers that are two of the most charismatic, fun drivers on the grid. And <laughs> they have the boring, most boring socials of the entire, entire grid, in my opinion. But I'm intrigued to see when the rebranding rolls out mm-hmm. like, and how quick they turn that over. Like, are we going to have to wait till preseason testing? What's their livery going to look like this year? Is it going to be exciting? Are they going to just wipe their social livery. media Always and pull a reputation and just like restart all over? Right. I mean, they're definitely not going to want to lose the accounts. So they'll definitely rename the accounts we currently follow. Mm-hmm. Marketing questions. Time will tell we got the polls up for the Vegas GP, um, but recorded before the full 24 hours have passed. So we have some cleaning up to do. Circling back to all the, all that was the Vegas GP. We have some 
post-race weekend polls to talk about. So for starters, the race on track, not all the things that happened off track, but on track, exceeded my expectations, were on par with my expectations, were below my expectations. Exceeded my expectations, for sure. I actually really enjoyed watching that race. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, just a little competition up front, and all of a sudden everything's, like, entertaining. Uh, 80% of the people agreed with us. Uh, 16% said it was on par with their expectations, and 4% said below. So most of us were in the same boat. All right, chaos chaos level, words, words, speaking, the chaos level of the Vegas GP was just the right amount, was too much, or too little were all the options. (laughs) It's a little Goldilocks here. (laughs) I'm going with just the right amount even though I'm like always, but I lean on the side of, I want more, but I really liked all, they, they did a good job. They really did. They did Vegas. Well, yeah, well, I agree with you. And so did 88% of the people who voted in this poll, uh, 8% said it was too much and 4% said it was too little. And to you who said it's too little, we could definitely lean your way a little more chaos. It was honestly after Friday happened, the lack of chaos was really shocking. <laughs> I still don't know. Okay, so for those of you not watching on YouTube right now, Nicole's video went black and fireworks went off. And basically we record in Riverside. And for some reason, just with Nicole's recording for the last couple of weeks, and normally it, it's been cut out of all the videos so far, like these like random things will happen, like a thumbs up will come out up, or fireworks will go off. We have no idea what's happening and we don't know how to turn it off. So if you are listening, you also record in Riverside. Help. Talk but about yep, the Nicole did not create like, that. Ooh, here's your fireworks. <laughs> and no matter what we do to try to even get it to happen, it won't happen. So, <laughs> all right, poll number three the most impressive performance. So we have to think back a couple race weeks now. But Leclerc P2 over Checo, Stroll going from P19 to P5, or Ocon going from P16 to P4? Oh, as much as I would love to pick Charles here, I got to go with SD Bestie. I like the SD Bestie, like, jump there was my, yeah, got to give him that pick. Well, you were in the minority. Only Mm -hmm. 15% of people agreed with you. Uh, 35% of people agreed with me that it was Stroll's P19 to P5. Like, back of the grid to a top five finish is pretty impressive in an Aston Martin that we all don't think is really that great anymore. Uh, But 50% of the people said Leclerc's P2 over Checo. Well, he did finish in front of a Red Bull. I don't think that's that impressive anymore. There you go. But he was the enjoyment point of the race, for sure. Like him holding on to that was really fun. That was exciting. And re- yeah, um, it was great to watch. Yeah. What shocked you the most? Three options here. F1 showing an eight-time Lewis Hamilton sign on the broadcast. Two, Max agreeing to dress like Elvis. Or three, Carlos dropping the Netflix Cup trophy. Oh gosh, it's I'm so torn here, but just because we'll have variety, I think between our answers, I'm gonna go with Max dressing like Elvis. 
because I also think you're going. Well, that to was the majority. Oh, you you think I'm going to go with the Lewis Hamilton one? I do. Yeah. Um, I probably, I think, I can't remember what I voted. I'd have to look. But yeah, I guess I lean that way. 62% of the people, though, did say Max agreeing to dress like Elvis. Because F1 finally deciding to agree that Lewis Hamilton should be an eight-time champion just kind of, at this point, feels a little inevitable. Like, all right, let's get there. But them actually showing the sign on the broadcast was wild, and 27% of people agree with me on that. 12% of people said Carlos dropping that Flix Cup trophy, which why? That was a funny, wild moment, but in hindsight, not that shocking. Yeah, especially this season where like six different trophies have been broken. It is that kind of season. At least this trophy looked cheap. And last Vegas GP poll, what was Lewis Hamilton's best activation of the weekend? The plus 44 pop-up with the mascot, the Almave bar, Lewis and Roscoe in Fortnite, or a Lewis-themed car in Rocket League. Fortnite, Fortnite, Fortnite. I'm on the Fortnite train. I mean, they were all so good, but I just can't get over Roscoe and in that little suit. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I think it's that. It's a toss-up between that and the plus 44 pop-up for me. Like, you you get a mascot and I'm going to be all in. But uh, 43% of the people said Lewis and Roscoe in Fortnite. 39% in in a close second place at the Almiaf bar. And that's probably mostly due to that incredible video of Lewis Hamilton making drinks and handing it out. Um, And then tied in third was the pop-up and the Lewis-themed car in Rocket League with 9% each. So those were the Vegas GP polls. I'm excited for Vegas next year, and maybe we'll actually go. We need to make it happen. Hey, hey, any sponsor, if you want us to create fun content for you in Vegas, uh, let us know. Because, like, like Duracell in particular, or, you know, Celsius, if you're still sponsoring Ferrari, these are just some options of like, we know brands we would align with well, and we'd love to go to Vegas and create unhinged silly content for you. F1 had a commission meeting, which is a fancy way of saying all the teams got together in a room and voted on some stuff for next year. But if you call it the F1 commission, it sounds fancy. Uh, One of the things they voted on was the Sprint Weekend. Uh, We have been unapologetic about our views about the Sprint Weekend. We are anti-Sprint Weekend. We think it ruins everything else. I hate knowing the result of the Grand Prix before the Grand Prix starts because the Sprint happened. Not so fun. But F1 is determined to say, well, we hear you all. You didn't like the Sprints this year. How can we make Sprints that you will like? And, uh, And the answer is, I don't know if it's possible, but I will say the biggest change that they have confirmed they're making for next year is one that you and I brought up, Nicole, before we even ran the first sprint race up this weekend, which is no longer will Friday be the Grand Prix qualifying. Friday will be free practice, sprint shootout. Saturday will be Grand Prix qualifying, sprint, and then Sunday will be the Grand Prix. The reason we've been advocating for this all along is because we fully believe you need a night of news cycle to create hype for something. So the fact that the sprint shootout was happening and then three hours and then the sprint, you weren't 
letting any buzz be generated based on the qualifying that happened. It was just like, oh, their qualifying happened, now they're racing, oh, and we're done, and I will never think about the sprint again. So we've been calling for this all season. It is an improvement, but does this make you excited for sprints next year? Um, I'm really excited that I don't have to worry about qualifying during the workday. That is like the one yes. thing that I was like, I can't, the anxiety of qualifying while I am like, I have to do my job. I can't, I can't. So like that I'm excited about. Does it make me excited about sprint weekends? No. Like, I think there's the, <laughs> the ability of creating a storyline, but I still just feel like there's still so many like issues with it. And they just think like, this will be more exciting when it's just like, not at all. And then there's like the topic of like reverse grid options for the sprint race so that you wouldn't have the, like, we know who's going to win. And part of my brain just goes to that's going to cost teams a lot of money because there's going to be a lot of like incidents and things. Although it would be really exciting to see. I would really enjoy watching that at times, but I just think it's going to end up causing big issues with accidents. I don't know. I just, I'm still just so against this. I'm just firmly entrenched in not all overtakes are created equal. So what you're doing if you reverse the grid is you're just making Max Verstappen have to go from P11 to P1. So theoretically, like in this magical world, great, we get to watch Max Verstappen go through the entire field, but it's manufactured excitement. And if he doesn't end up at the front by the end of it, like let's say the sprint laps aren't enough laps for him to make all the moves. It's still a manufactured result. Mm -hmm. He's not not getting P1 because he's not fast. He's not getting P1 because of this like random reverse grid rule. And all we're going to see is teams like jockeying to go slow in the sprint shootout if that happens. Like everyone's going to try to get into Q3 and then, because I doubt they're going to, what F2 and F3 do is they reverse the top 10. They don't Mm -hmm. reverse the entire one through 20. Um, So if they follow that model, all they're going to do is like, everyone's going to try to get into Q3 and then everyone's going to try to go as slow as possible. Like, I don't, it just sounds like added to the weekend and all of the drivers are just, no one leaves the garage. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like they all just sit in the garage for Q3. Like to me, if they end up doing this, like I am not confident enough in F1's decision-making for them not to think through what we just talked through, which is that no one's going to want to go fast. And then they're going to be like, oh, well, we we made the reverse grid, but now, oh, Baxter's happened is still just starting from pole because the teams like somehow figured out how to go slower than each other. And then we have this weird sprint shoot. Like there's just, it's too much chaos. Like everyone just needs to accept like, They're trying to manufacture with shorter practice times the chaos of a poor qualifying for a team. I think they just need to accept the product they have. There are so many things they can be doing on the regulatory side that can pull the grid closer together. And I don't think changing up the Grand Prix weekend format is that. That being said, I am with you and I'm excited to uh, not have to watch qualifying during my lunch break. And not having to deal with that during... 
They want, you know, maybe race weekends to be more competitive. And as much as people don't want to be watching free practice, and I understand the selling tickets component and all of that type of things, but like teams need free practice for the data to then thus be making the advancements to thus be making the race that's on the Sunday, the more better of the race. And the it just sprint weekends just make me infuriated because yeah. people are just going to screw their setup. I think that's a right and like screwing the setup as we've seen this season rarely screws red bull like the that team is so fast and so far ahead they have so much margin of error that even when red bull had a screwed setup we never really felt like they were going to have a bad weekend mm-hmm. and there were so many opportunities this weekend with limit uh, this season with limited practice time or you know cancel like the abu dhabi grand prix wasn't a sprint weekend but they all the teams only had about 10 minutes of representative running that what didn't pin Max Verstappen back. That all it really felt like it was doing all season was preventing Mercedes, Ferrari, Aston, and McLaren from being their best selves to compete with Red Bull because mm-hmm. Mercedes needed to be operating at 110% and Red Bull needed to be operating and having an off weekend at 80%. So we need to give the teams as much time as possible to be operating at 110%. Like it's not, I don't know. I feel like we can scream this into the ether all we want. And like F1's just like, but what kind of sprint do you want? I want the one that doesn't exist. (laughs) Right. They did actually talk about other things at the F1 commission meeting. So we'll run through some of those real fast. Uh, They approved more wet weather testing for this upcoming season. So this year they've been doing a lot of testing these new wet weather tires that are supposed to reduce spray. Um, The, aerodynamics team of F1 has been trying to see if they can come up with components that reduce spray that can be universal on all the cars. So that's interesting that they're still working towards making it so you can do more wet weather running without it being completely unsafe. Yeah. And we've had plenty of wet, like track instances. I feel like we had more wet qualities than dry qualities this year or at least in the first half of the season so yeah any kind of advancement that we can get some maybe safer and continued racing i'm down green uh speaking of safer racing they've decided not to remove tire blankets for the next season and i think they've approved tire blankets through even 2025 so basically they have shelved the idea of no more tire blankets Yeah, bad idea. I wasn't for that one to begin with. Yeah, this is not something I felt like I could get really passionate about either way, where it's like, I get the whole, like, F1's the only sport that uses tire blankets, and the driver should just be able to get warmth into the tires, and then I also get the safety thing of it, where it's like, yeah, but, like, do we really need it? I don't know. It's just like, cool, whatever. Glad we don't need that as a storyline next year. (laughs) they approved in the 2024 so next year's regulations there's going to be a new cooling scoop that is allowed for driver cooling this has been their response to um, the extreme conditions at multiple grand prix and the extreme heat across the season so my understanding is um actually if you know in the mercedes nose they have the little holes and it sends air in i think it's going to be a similar concept where like teams are now going to be allowed to have big scoops that send lots of air at the driver. 
that was a really technical explanation I just gave there. Like big scoops, like ice creams, like I don't know. You gave us a good good visual. Got the point across. Uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Um something that I don't believe is fully approved, but they're continuing to discuss is the plan that no work should be done on the 2026 car before 2025. I think they're attempting to avoid people giving up on the 2025 season and the 2024 season, which is next year, just to focus on the next regulation set. That would not be good for the sport. So I hope they pass this and no one can work on the 2026 car next year. So even though we want to focus on 2026 and new regulations, we don't want everyone else to just suddenly jump ship. Yeah, I still want to enjoy some of the racing yeah. and hold out hope that <laughs> exactly. one of the teams will catch Red Bull. Right. Like, like, I don't... And I think a, a positive of this season has been that the teams at the back of the grid, the non-Ferraris, Mercedes, and then even the midfield group, uh, but like Williams and Alphatari and even Alfa Romeo earlier in the season and Haas and qualifying, like they've all looked relevant at points. And those are really the teams that would benefit from just completely punting on the next two seasons and going all in on 2026. And so I've enjoyed having uh, a midfield battle that involved at least nine of the teams. So mm-hmm. it, it would be good for that. Also, selfishly, it would be really good for Mercedes. Thank you. Uh, This is my bias. I will continue to make it very evident and clear that I am not an unbiased journalist here. Uh, And lastly, they made approvals to updates to the financial regulations. Um, The F1 has been really pushing their carbon neutral by 2030 goal. And a lot of the teams were saying that the improvements they need to make would really eat into the cost cap. Um, in order to make them. So as those things come up, they're making amendments to the financial regulations where teams can make improvements to their facilities that don't affect the cost cap as long as they are going towards this 2030, 2030 carbon neutral goal. We've been recording for too long. My brain is melting. But I think this was... I mean, thank goodness, or else, you know, if everyone's being so, like, in your face about, you know, zero emissions, 20, 30, like, and sustainability is expensive. If there's anything that anyone sees when you're shopping for the Mm -hmm. more sustainable products, it's expensive in general. And creating a product that is sustainable, expensive, costs money. So if F1 is serious about this 2030 goal, they need, there, like, you know, needs to be some type of, like, leniency in that, like rule spending there and at least you know that makes me feel like all groups are serious about it right i love when the incentive pushes people towards the right thing that's why there's such huge tax cuts if you in your home in america you upgrade to solar panels your taxes will dramatically come down because they're trying to incentivize everyone to be more economically friendly and so to me this screams hey you want to upgrade the facilities in your factory as long as you do them in a way that's working towards this 2030 sustainability goal you're going to be able to do it and exclude it from the cost cap so like there's going to be areas where teams can move forward as long as it falls under this and that is awesome it's incentivizing teams to do the right thing and in a sport that is you know, it, it is a 
it's car racing. <laughs> it's not the most eco-friendly thing. It travels the entire globe to do 24 races in not the most efficient manner. I like anything they do that incentivizes people to be more friendly to our Earth. 2026 sounds like a different planet. <laughs> it does, but it also sounds very close. And we've entered the cycle in the F1 cycle where we're all frustrated that one team is dominating. So we're going to talk about the next engine regulation set all the time. And that includes 2026 engine regulation reset. Woo! Currently on the grid, we have four engine manufacturers um, in Alpine, Mercedes, Honda, and Ferrari. We're going to have six in... 2026 okay i can remember that easily since red bull is entering as one yeah red bull and audi are being added to that mix so of the 10 teams on the grid only four are going to be customer teams so we're swinging from six customer teams to four customer teams which makes me very happy because of my long entrenched views that you can't win in formula one unless you're a works team but we got our first actual announcement of because okay we all know that alfatari is going to be a red bull engine team so like that aside so there are three teams that are deciding their fate and we haven't heard what they're doing yet which is mclaren williams and haas but this week mclaren has officially announced that they are signing with mercedes from 2026 to 2030 so it's a five-year deal and this is a big deal in my opinion because Zach Brown very publicly and very loudly toured the Red Bull powertrains factory. And it was very clear that he was flirting with maybe becoming a Red Bull powertrains powered team. So my question for you, Nicole, was he publicly flirting for negotiation power with Mercedes? Or do you think he was actually considering it and just chose Mercedes? As much as I would love to believe that, like, he saw something and was like, no, we have to stick with Mercedes. I think this this was all, like, the big flirting with the idea publicly to regain negotiating tactics. I mean, that's F1 written all over it. That's Zach Brown, like, day one, everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah, I'm inclined to believe that as well. I, as the Mercedes bias fan in me, would love to believe that the Mercedes power unit is just further ahead and Zach Brown feels more confident and comfortable with Mercedes. But I'm sure the reality is probably somewhere in the middle. Like it was probably a lot of PR tactics, how public his visit was. But I think that if he was excited about what he was seeing at Red Bull Powertrains, I don't think he would have hesitated to sign on there. Right. I and I'm sure there was a lot of great things that he saw there, but I think obviously not just his decision and probably a lot of like pushback in certain other places as like the relationship of McLaren and Mercedes has been, you know, not necessarily like new in any way, shape or form. So uh, would be a, but also not, not contentious. Yeah. <laughs> Always contentious since they left to start their own team in 2010. Exactly. Uh, I still fall on the side of it all just being kind of like a public negotiation tactic. I mean, we see that time and time again in, in not just this sports and a couple of different sports, but yeah, I'm going there. Yeah. So Alphatari's Red Bull, 
McLaren is Mercedes. I think we can all make the assumption that Haas will be staying with Ferrari because mm-hmm. the, they are basically Ferrari's junior team in the right. way that relationship is built. So the big question we have remaining is Williams. And they have a lot of options. So they can stay with Mercedes. Um, I don't know why they would go to Alpine, so I'm throwing that out. But they could go be a Red Bull team. They could go be a Ferrari team. But they could also go be an Audi team or a Honda team. because And Honda has had the best power unit of this regulation set. And they're just moving to Aston Martin now. So do you... I guess they're going to be the big question in the coming year. Do you foresee them leaving Mercedes? God, I, and also, again, the Mercedes fan wanting me to be like, of course, no one wants to leave. They want this. And it's only good things if you know people want to stay <laughs> on and things. I think it would be really exciting to see them go somewhere else. I think it would be really interesting to see, you know, what would happen with Audi or like a Honda power unit, you know, circumstance and just kind of bring a whole new life to Williams. Like that I would be really excited to see. A hopeful Mercedes fan does not want that to happen, but I think it could be very interesting to see what that could do for Williams and Alex Albon. <laughs> so that's also what I'm considering here, too. I agree. Yeah, I think the if I'm Mercedes fan side, hope for health of the sport. I think we see how important it is as an engine manufacturer to have more than two cars running your power unit that really helps in advantage wise for just the more data you get on the PU. So the fact that right now there are three other teams on the grid that are not Mercedes running the Mercedes power unit gives them so much more data. Honda has four cars running it, which is great. Ferrari has six cars running theirs, which is great. Alpine has two. And that really puts them on the back foot Mm -hmm. in data collection. So If Red Bull is going to have four cars, if Ferrari is going to have four cars, and we now know Mercedes is going to have four cars, I would love Williams to go to a team that is not Mercedes, Red Bull, or Ferrari. Whether that's Alpine, Audi, or Honda, I'm rooting for that. So there's a fourth power unit that has the advantage of the additional mileage Mm -hmm. um, and can compete with the the big three and Red Bull powertrains is not a big three, but Red Bull is a big three. If we're talking about competitiveness of the sport. Um, So if we want to see an Aston Martin be able to jump into that group, for example, with their relationship with Honda, it would be really helpful for them to have Williams running Honda and getting the additional data. Actual data for it. So that's what I'm rooting for. But yeah, my Mercedes bias is like, don't leave. We need it. The second thing that came out about 2026 engine regulations is we saw the first photo of the Red Bull engine. What do you think that means to you? <laughs> Nicole, how'd you feel about seeing the first photo of the Red Bull engine? My brain is immediately like, not real. My brain's like, no, I, uh, uh, but like, I don't know. To me, I'm also on the side that 2026 feels so far away and I... And I would need a thousand people to tell me exactly what I'm looking at, what this means, and what this would do inside of a car. (laughs) Uh, I also would need a thousand people, and I read a thousand things about it. And the reality is we don't know. Um, I think from a PR marketing brain side of things, uh, the fact that I'm seeing it and I just keep hearing about how far along and how advanced the Red Bull engine is, Uh -uh. that doesn't instill any confidence in me. Like... 
<laughs> moving loudly doesn't make me think that the Red Bull powertrain is going to be all that good. And it could totally turn out to be great. It just doesn't doesn't instill confidence is all I'm saying. Right. I don't know. Not real. Not. I'm, I'm not choosing to accept it as my current reality. That's where I'm going. <laughs> Too far away. But exciting. Oh, yeah. Regulation resets. Ooh. Yes. The regulation reset, that's where I'm like, yes, this can get here, like, right now. But my brain is also then like, oh, my God, it's like two more seasons of what may... I, I don't... I can't do two more seasons of this. This is going to drive me insane. So... I think we have one more season of this, and I think 2025, someone will catch up. And then everything flips all over in 2026. Welcome back to Yellow Sector Notes. Not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the paddock, hitting every F1 garage. So some general news to start out. This is from Pirelli. There'll be no new 2024 tire compounds after none of the tested adjustments they've done throughout the season showed any improvement in tire performance. Red Bull won the Pit Stop Constructors Championship for the sixth consecutive season. There is so much that happened with Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes since the last time we talked, but there's only one important thing that I want to have as my yellow sector notes. Did you see that my favorite NFL analyst, Mina Kimes, was at the Las Vegas GP with Mercedes? Incredible. Yeah, panic, panic, panic. I, it felt like my worlds were colliding. She hosted a panel that included Toto Wolf, was there as a Mercedes guest. I have... Like, I felt so much FOMO through the Las Vegas GP week, but at that moment, I was like, I can't believe I wasn't in that room. Okay, I'll stop fangirling now. Carlos Sainz's performance coach is leaving to go work with Max Verstappen and Red Bull next season. Monster Energy has announced that they are now a McLaren sponsor, so they are leaving Mercedes, but apparently they're still going to be working with Lewis Hamilton and they're not leaving Lewis as a sponsor. Aston Martin has announced their F1 Academy driver for 2024, Swiss racing driver Tina Hosman. Jessica Hawkins also expands her role within the team to include head of racing for F1 Academy. <laughs> to include head of racing for F1 Academy, seeming to show that Aston Martin is looking to invest more in and show their F1 Academy drivers more support. Honestly, it was I was really excited when I saw they were actually going to have a role for head of racing for F1 Academy. Mick was announced as a, the driver for Alpine's World Endurance endurance championship program next year he will also retain his role as a mercedes reserve but excited to see mick back in a racing car the new williams f1 technical chief technical officer pat fry who has left alpine and he's actually started work with williams in the last month told autosport the following thing i guess the thing that excites me the most about this opportunity is that the board is fully on board <laughs> with what it's going to take to move this place forward they're willing to invest in what it takes and support us in building a team. And honestly, with all have, that we've heard about the investment firm that owns Williams, it's good to hear that behind the scenes, they seem to really be investing in the team still. So that is exciting. Also, like, what's that say about Alpine? But moving on. Avatari's new name and branding has been rumored for months now. It's been reported that the potential naming sponsorships with either Hugo Boss or Adidas have both fallen through. There'll be some Red Bull themed naming. 
As we discussed earlier in the show, Alpha, Alpha's biggest news is really that they're no longer Alpha and they are now Sauber. And going forward, we'll probably talk about them as Sauber when we're talking about next year. And anything about this year, we'll probably still refer to them as Alpha Romeo. It will be inconsistent. Please bear with us. But just know that if we're saying Alpha Romeo and if we're saying Sauber, we mean the same thing. Last, but definitely not least, CBS is in the early stages of developing a single camera workplace scripted comedy based on Gunther Steiner. Steiner himself would serve as a non-writing executive producer on the product. That is the gridwalk for November 30th, 2023 completed. How's my sector time today, Nicole? Faster than Ferrari told Charles that he can't do donuts. Thank you to voiceover man thank you to all of the gridwalk listeners that have listened throughout this first f1 season that we've done a reminder we will be here during the off season but thank you for being here during our first official f1 season it was really really exciting and we hope you enjoyed it and of course big thank you to our four-legged executive producers for their support as well if you're watching on youtube subscribe like the video, leave us a comment. Tell us your predictions for the Williams seat and the Red Bull seat for 2024. Who do you think is going to be sitting where? If you're an audio listener, don't forget to follow, turn on auto downloads, rate and review the pod. All of these things really, really help us out. They give us dopamine. You hear every single podcast tell you to do those things because they do great things for us. So really, when you do it, it really makes a difference. Join us for daily good walks on every single social media platform at Gridwalk Show on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Threads. And we will be back to walk the Formula One grid every Thursday, even in the off season. And we sincerely hope you join us. But today felt like a grid plod again, and not a grid walk.